Welcome to His Hands, His Feet podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Camp. The purpose of this podcast is to encourage and equip, even compel you to live a life on mission. And yes, I do believe that God has given every single one of us a mission or a purpose in this life. You know, sometimes we make a real big deal out of that, and we think that it needs to be the, some grandiose thing that, um, you know, we need to be a foreign missionary, or we need to be an adoptive parent, or we need to be the, the head of some kind of ministry in, in our city or something like that. And we lose sight of the fact that not all of us are called to do that or any of those things. And there's some very simple ways that God has called each one of us to live a life on mission and, and with purpose. And the thing is, is that, well, let me ask it this way. Have you ever been on a short-term mission trip, maybe for a week or two, and it could have been anywhere in the world. It could have been, you know, somewhere in your own state, or it could have been, you know, halfway across the world, or even this, maybe you took a, a day out of your, your week and you went and volunteered somewhere, maybe at a children's home or maybe at a soup kitchen or helping along with some other friends of yours, helping a widow uh, fix up some things in, their, in her house. And, um, and why you did that, you know, think about this, why you were doing that, whether it was for an afternoon or for several days at a time, you knew exactly why you were doing what you were doing. You had a purpose and you had a mission and you were very focused. And, and not only were you focused on the task at hand, but you were paying attention to what God was, was saying to you in that midst and in that context. And, and you had some what seemed like divine appointments going on. You had some conversations that had some intentionality to them because you were focused on your purpose and your mission. Has that ever happened to you? It has to me several times. And in fact, about 10 years ago, Danielle and I lived in Thailand for six months. And, you know, we've done many short, shorter term mission trips and we've, we have volunteered in different capacities over the years and doing things. And that's always the case. It's always with a focus and intentionality of, of how we're spending our time and how we're really listening to what God is saying to us in that context. Um, and when we lived in Thailand, that's how we lived most of the time that we were there, uh, if not all of the time. And so the, when we moved back to the United States at the end of 2007, it was a conversation Danielle and I had often, and it was we wanted to continue to live that way. And I'll be real honest with you, it's been a struggle. And part of the reason why is because it, we have gotten sucked into what I call the uh, vortex of the suburban American way of life. And there's a lot of things that distract you and distract me uh, from being able to really have that focused, intentional uh, living, you know, day by day, moment by moment, really focused on what is God's mission and purpose for my life. And, and a part of that is um, just in the relationships that God brings into our lives and across, you know, our paths crossing with people. And many times we walk right by what maybe God's intention was for us to interact with someone and we just walk right past it and we don't notice it and we don't um, respond to what God's purpose is in that moment. And so a lot of times his purpose and mission for us isn't going to be some kind of big deal, but it may be something very simple. And that brings me to what today's episode is about, and it's an interview with the co-author of a book entitled The Art of Neighboring. And the co-author's name is Dave Runyon, and 
uh, really enjoyed the conversation with him as he is very easy to talk to. He, he uh, articulates the, the idea behind the book well, and uh, he is willing to and able to, to laugh at himself. And if, I don't know, if you're like me, you're going to identify with what Dave shares here in the, as we talk about this book. And so I really want you to listen to the conversation. And if you've never read this book, I want to encourage you to pick up a copy. And at the end, you know, be sure and listen to the end of the episode where I will give you information on how you can get uh, more information about the book, The Art of Neighboring. So with that, let's join the conversation with Dave Runyon, the co-author of The Art of Neighboring. Dave, uh, it's really good to have you on the on the call today and on the podcast episode. I appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to join us. Hey, it's great to be with you. And uh, as listeners have heard in the intro, you know, talking about the topic, and it's the book that you and Jay wrote, The Art of Neighboring. And let's just jump into a few questions, and we'll kind of see where this goes, if you're good with that. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, so the first thing I had here was at a high level, can you tell us what The Art of Neighboring means i mean i think that we've all heard it's you know good to be a good neighbor but you know what do you feel like the meaning of the art of neighboring is well it's pretty much missional for dummies is pretty <laughs> much what we're doing <laughs> i mean and maybe there's a better way to say that i could just say that it's missional for everybody <laughs> hey right? I, re- I related to that so um that's okay I'm good at. yeah so you know it's the the lowest common denominator of missional is thinking about the place that god has put you and what's happening right outside your front door. And so we really stumbled into this. It, it came through a series of embarrassing moments that my friends and I had here in Arvada, which is a suburb of Denver. We were starting to gather together and think about, uh, as pastors, we were thinking about how do we serve together? How could we mobilize all these different um, believers that were showing up to our different congregations? And actually help them work together on similar issues in our city. Mm-hmm. And so as we started to try to figure that out, we began reaching out to civic leaders. Right. And as we did this, we had this, had this horrible moment where our mayor told us a bunch of, <laughs> told about like 22 pastors are sitting in the room from 22 different churches. And our mayor told us, Hey, uh, you, the best thing you guys could do for our city is to start a literal neighboring movement. Yeah. And he had no clue of like how uh, convicting and like horrifying that was for us <laughs> to hear. We're, we're sitting there thinking, okay, he's going to tell us about, you know, go after like all the at-risk kids in our city or school right. lunch programs, or whatever. But no, he said he just told us to do what Jesus already told us to do. <laughs> yeah, God does tend to use people like that in our lives. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Well, you know, I, I was reading in... Um, in the, I think it's like in chapter one, maybe even you reference another conversation with another city leader. I think it was the assistant city manager. Oh yeah, Vicky. Mm-hmm. Vicky so that, that was the second embarrassing moment. Vicky's, <laughs> Vicky's in a meeting, different meeting, same group, about yeah. two months later, and very. She wasn't trying to be mean at all. She was very much in passing, but she just. We were doing Q and A at the end with some of the pastors, and she said, "Hey, like you, you don't think that." from where we sit at the city level, that we can see a difference in the way Christians and non-Christians treat their actual neighbors, do you? Mm. And it was so horrifying to hear somebody say that out loud, that mm. we like started to argue with her about her perception. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. And, the, and as soon as we started to like, try to defend uh, Christians in general and mm. ourselves, 
we realized she's totally right. Yeah. And I've I've now I've shared that line in rooms with probably 500 different city leaders now. Mm-hmm. Never once has a civic leader come up to me and gone, Dave, in our city, the Christians are the best neighbors. It's not even close. You know, and even like you're laughing because you're realizing uh, sure. it's like this awkward laugh. You're like, oh, no, that's right. Yep. And that that put me personally in crisis because I said to start asking this question of like, if the entire text can be boiled down into love God with everything you have, love your neighbor yourself, and yet there's not a noticeable difference in how Christians treat their actual neighbors. Hmm. Like something's really gone off the tracks. And it put me in a crisis because I was a pastor. Right. And I wasn't being very intentional in my own neighborhood. I mean, right. I was busy doing all the kinds of neighboring, you know, doing what I call metaphoric neighboring, which hmm. is basically neighboring that I choose to do. Yeah. So I get to choose who my neighbors are. And that, you know, then I'm passionate about what's going on at the rescue mission. So I'm neighboring down there. Oh, and yeah. then I'm I'm working at the church and I'm trying to help people figure out their life with their marriage or with their kids. And so I'm neighboring there. Yep. And I'm serving on the boards of these nonprofits that I'm passionate about. I'm neighboring there. And pretty, pretty soon what most of us do is we fill up our life with work and with these other things that we choose to do. And we kind of just go, you know, I don't know. I just, everybody's your neighbor. That's what the Good Samaritan Mm-hmm. Teach that's actually not true. That's not what it teaches. But you know, I thought that's I thought that to myself. I thought, you know, everybody's my neighbor. And I'm just kinda I'm doing so much good stuff. I'm just kinda neighboring all the time. Yeah. And and, and that's <laughs> that's how you end up as a pastor who's not engaged in his own neighborhood. Is you just choose who it is. And the irony of this is that when you choose who your neighbors are, you become just like the guy in the story that sets up the story of the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. He comes to Jesus says, what must he do inherit eternal life? Jesus is like, hey, you already know the answer to this, and yeah. this isn't what's going on here. So he gets the guy to answer his own question. He gives, like, the textbook answer. Love God with heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbors yourself. And his first thought, and I remember reading this. Mm. Is it Ken or Kenneth? You can call me either one. On here, I okay. go by Kenneth, and so we'll, okay. we'll go there. Well, we'll keep it real professional then. Let's go with Kenneth. <laughs> so, so I just, I'll never forget this, Kenneth. I'm reading through the text, and I see this one line, and, it, and it's right after Jesus and this guy are having this interaction. It says, and in order to justify himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. And in light of everything that's happened with me, and everything that had happened to me with these two civic leaders, I just saw that text, and I just saw it. That's me. Mm-hmm. I I'm the guy. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to find the loophole in my in actually thinking that Jesus meant my actual neighbors. And the way that I found the loophole is I just kind of go, oh, yeah, neighbor. What what does that really mean? Yeah. You know, I just I just kind of like I I want to define that word neighbor so that I can most easily fit in it fit it into what I'm already up to in my life. And that was just the most powerful moment for me to go, you know, it's like those moments where you're reading through the text and you go, oh, yeah, I see, I'm seeing myself in the text. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to me. And as I've told my stories, I've shared this story with a lot of other leaders and just people that are trying to take their faith seriously. I just, when I start to share that part, they all just start to nod. Yeah. And I've just learned there's a lot of us that we, we've chosen to be like the guy in the story. We, we're like Jesus, neighbor. What does that really mean? Mm-hmm. And then we kind of drift into this place where we choose who we want to neighbor to. We don't actually take proximity seriously. And and there's a, there's a great way to do it. You can use the Bible to do it, right? Oh, yeah. Clearly, Jesus was saying anytime you care for the person in front of you, you're being a neighbor to that person. 
So I can, I can be a neighbor to the person that's the parent on my kid's soccer team. I can be a neighbor to the person at work. I can be, those, that's all true, by the way. Like, sure. I mean, Jesus is economy. That's yep. all neighboring. Yep. But then we do so much of that that we pretend like, like, mer- you know, magic fairy dust gets sprinkled over our actual neighborhood, and all of a sudden Jesus wasn't talking about them. Mm-hmm. If you slow it down and say it out loud, it sounds stupid. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. Of course Jesus was talking about our actual neighbors, too. And But most of us don't slow it down. We actually just kind of drift into this way. And I, I think I drifted there because I didn't really – like I knew that the cost of like getting to my neighbors was going to be high. Yep. I knew that they were there all the time. Yep. I, I was like, I don't think I really – I just think subconsciously I didn't want to do it. And so I just figured out a way to – like I figured out a loophole out of it. Oh, absolutely. And when you said, you know, when you tell people that in person and they start nodding, I was over here actually nodding when you said that because (laughs) (laughs) it's so true what you're saying, because, you know, when, when I read this book a few years back, the neighborhood that we lived in was a typical suburban neighborhood, you know, houses are, you know, 60 foot lots and things. And, and I'm like, think as you're describing that, I'm thinking, well, you know, part of it is, is because they, they live right there with me. And so they see me at my best and at my worst a lot of times, you know, yeah, that's right. That's good. You know, I was, I was curious what kind of impact that statement had on you guys. And, and that's what you're sharing with me is this kind oh, of this yeah. profound it, moment. To, yeah. The impact was it screwed up my whole life. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was the impact in a good way. Because it, yeah. It, yeah. In a really good way. And because it, it, it bent me towards, um, leaning into proximity-based relationships. Mm-hmm. And I've just learned there's just something very sacred and powerful and beautiful and messy about yeah. proximity-based relationships. And so yeah, that's, good. That's, um, that's where I've been. And the, the great thing is this. I was a pastor. Right. I, was, like, I, got, I became a pastor because I, I love seeing people like, become awakened spiritually mm-hmm. and come into relationship and to life with God. But then after like 10 years of being on a church staff, I was just like most of my friends and most of the people I knew were a bunch of Christians. Right. They were all a bunch of people who thought like I did. Yep. And the cool thing about proximity-based relationships is it's like the antidote to the Christian bubble. Yep. It's like guaranteeing that you're not going to be hanging out with people who think just like you do or who, um, <laughs> you know, who well, have the same values as you. Yeah. And so it, it was like a breath of fresh air in my own life, and it continues to be a breath of fresh air. So you may have already kind of answered this, but in case you haven't, you know, why should this matter to us? What you're describing, you know, this proximity, mm-hmm. uh, neighboring. Well, I think it's actually the best way to live. I think mm-hmm. if we, if we'll stop trying to figure out ways out of the second half of the great commandment, mm-hmm. I think there's genius in actually just taking the most basic things that Jesus said and actually doing it. You know, I think that's at the end of the day, that's discipleship, right? Is like, right. We help people, like, do you understand what Jesus said? And then do you actually, like, live it out in your own life? Right. And, like, there's no better place to start than what does it look like to begin to love God with everything I have and love my neighbor as myself? Yeah. And so if you give yourself to doing that and you stop doing all these weird things where you're like, ah, eh, you're basically choosing who you want to be a neighbor to and just start with, you have to have kind of a theology of place, right? Which is right. something that's all throughout the Old and the New Testament. There's this deep theology of place. But we mm-hmm. mostly, as North American Christians, we've lost it. Yep. Because of technology and we're more transient and we have less margin in our life. We don't we don't really think about most Christians don't drive into their 
you know, their neighborhood or their apartment complex or whatever it is and think, man, there's something sacred going on here. Yep. They don't think about like the people who live right around them are like, God actually placed these people right around me. Um, instead, you know, they just kind of get really busy and have pretty shallow relationships, if anything, mm-hmm. with their actual neighbors. And it's just a bad way to live. You right. end up living at an unhealthy pace. You end up around people who are very similar to you. You end up uh, with with these relate. You miss out on the depth of being in relationship with people who are really different than you are. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't, I don't. I think the reason why we should do it is probably because Jesus said, "If you only do one thing, um, this is part of it." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's straightforward. And you know, it's, um, yeah, I have a couple several things bounce around in my head so i'm trying to really you know clarify in my own mind some things but you know one is and you touched on one of the practical benefits of neighboring well and that's just getting to know people who are different than you yeah i mean what are some other things that you've seen or just some you know practice yeah neighborhoods become safer yeah so when you know people around you when you're like aware of like their names and you kind of like know the cars that they drive and you just you just become more, you just learn their names you become more and more observant Right, and then all of a sudden, like when a U-Haul pulls up in your neighbor's house, <laughs> and the, you know that they're not moving, right. you actually know to call the cops. Right, <laughs> uh, and there's a guy named Robert Putnam. He wrote a book called Bowling Alone. He's done a lot of research on this, on how does social capital impact crime rates, and he states that it's 80 uh, percent neighborhoods where people know the first names of their neighbors, the crime rates 80 percent less. Hmm. So Malcolm Gladwell does a lot of stuff around yeah. how long people live when they're connected to their actual neighbors. Um, and cr- the, it, when there's a crisis, your neighbors are your first responders. The systems are almost always overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like lots of like really pragmatic reasons why we should be doing this. Even if you, even if you're not into Jesus, this right. is like a really smart thing to do. Right. And then for those of us that are followers, um, it's, it should be a no brainer. And personally, what I've experienced is that uh, a lot of times, maybe, maybe not a lot of times, but it seems like it's a lot of times. Uh, those who are not Christians seem to do it are more at ease doing this than we are. You know, they don't have yeah. some of the preconceived um, fears or, or barriers. But yeah, um, why do you think what? Why do you think that is? Well, I think one reason why is is that they are more open to different ideas at sometimes or different ways of thinking. I don't mm. know. I don't know what it is, but uh, or they're not afraid to being you know changed by someone else i i don't know but yeah. you know i've i've definitely seen that and um yeah and and here's one and this is i think maybe they live more of a life of integrity a lot of times than a christian does and what i mean by that is they're like hey this is who i am and you either <laughs> like it or don't yeah but it's 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 more integral than where a lot of times as as christians we're like well this is the way i need to act and I ought to be mm. doing these things and making these kind of decisions, but I don't always do that. And so we can t- have a tendency to be less integral in the way we live. And so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. That's interesting. But um, which that kind of leads right into this other question I had is what are, and, and you talk about this throughout the book, but what are some of the barriers or challenges that you, that you guys have seen or that you speak to, to the mm. art of neighboring? Yeah, I mean, the biggest one is time. Yeah. I mean, I think this isn't just Christian. I think yep. most people are really bad at living intentionally. Mm-hmm. They just, 
live kind of by the tyranny of the urgent or the tyranny of the checklist. And so if you're not good at living intentionally, it's really hard to align your priorities with your actions. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the biggest barriers is that most of us we just buy into these lies that like, man, everybody lives, everybody's this busy. Right. Like I, I, I got to stay this busy. Otherwise I'm going to fall behind. Yep. And Jesus clearly says, Hey, there's a better way to live. I mean, G- Jesus gets a lot done in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, and yet he's ne- you never get this impression that this is this real hurried person, right? He's right. like really present with people. He lives in a way in which he's interruptible. Yeah. He, he know there's times where people are begging him like do more do more and he's like you know what uh we're gonna get away hmm. we're gonna go get some time alone i'm gonna i'm gonna be centered and reflective and so so there's not a difference for me with most of my like as christians and non-christians there's not a difference in the the way the pace of life that we live and the margin that we have with non-christians which which seems odd mm-hmm. you know again <laughs> that seems different it seems like in light of the way that Jesus talks about living and then like the way that like most of us are living right now, it seems weird that there's not people aren't looking at us going, Hey, you, there seems to be something different about you. Yeah. Like the pace that you live at, mm-hmm. the fact that you actually seem to like live at depth, like a little bit below the surface with others. And so, you know, right. Those are questions that people should be asking of us, but rarely are. So I'm, I'm, what I'm hearing you say, that's, that's like the big one right there. That is it. I mean, yeah. there's all, you know, fears in there, right? awkwardness, you sure. know, like, like we're just not, I mean, I think one of the reasons why we don't do, we don't engage with our neighbors is that we're not willing to lean into mildly awkward moments. Right. Hey, which I, is I'm insane. Gonna... It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. But we're sure. like, that, like, the reason why we're not better neighbors than we are is like, right. it's mildly awkward to go admit that you don't know somebody's name. Oh, yeah. It's mild, you know, even after you've met them three times, it's mildly awkward to invite somebody into your home. You know, for the first time, yep. it's mildly awkward to borrow something instead of going to the store. Right. And so those are those are like mildly awkward things that the, the reality is they have huge benefits by like just doing those really small things. If you get over the mild awkwardness, the payout on the other end is huge. Yep. And and so I think part of what my message is, is, hey, like, would you just be willing to lean into some mildly awkward moments hmm. to in obedience with Jesus and also, like, the benefit is going to be really big on the other side. And, yeah, it's been working. It's been yeah. fun to kind of watch a lot of people start to go, oh, like, hey, what I do out in my front yard is, like, kingdom stuff. Right. And yeah. and it doesn't have to be rocket science. It can be – and I don't have to be weird. I can just be, like, a normal person. <laughs> yeah, for some reason we do. We have that, like, oh, they're, they're going to think I have an agenda because I want to talk to them or something. But Yeah, it's because we've got a lot of weirdos in our tribe. Right. That have done a, they've done a bunch of stuff, and they've made it so we're kind of working from a deficit. I mean, the the reality is like if a Christian does something nice for a non Christian, right? A lot of times the non Christian starts bracing for like, what weird thing are they going to do to me? Right. Where where's the bait and switch? Right. Where's the you know? And right. we did. I mean, I think that stinks. I wish that wasn't the case, but it is. And yeah. so it, you just need to know that going in and just mm-hmm. go. You know what? These people aren't your projects. Yep. They're not your targets. Yep. We've learned that if if people will just say, you know, th- this is the best posture you can give people. And it, it also creates like the best soil for relationships and for, mm-hmm. for a lot of other things, for honest conversations, is if you can help people understand 
hey, even if my neighbor never shows interest or never takes a step towards God that I can see, yep. Jesus's command to love my neighbor still applies. It still stands. That's right. And, and if once you have that mindset, you you end up being a lot less weird. You go in thinking like, hey, I I can be friends with somebody. I'm going to share the things that I love. I talk I talk mm-hmm. about my spiritual life. I talk about things that I believe, mm-hmm. and I also talk about like what I'm learning about parenting. And I talk about like you know how I did on my latest golf round. I you know I think sometimes where it gets weird is we like live at the surface with people, and then we we like try to like jump off the deep end mm-hmm. and jam some weird conversation in on them when we don't even care enough about them, like know their story yep. and to know about their own lives. So for me, that nails it. Uh, you know, I think several years ago, there was a major shift for me and, and that's it right there is that I was just like, became finally comfortable with, I just want to know you and I want you to know me. And also I let go of the responsibility of them ever becoming a believer in Christ and it's like, yeah. it wasn't my, that wasn't for me to determine. That's what I, the conclusion yeah. I came to. And man, when I, I, when I finally got to that place, I totally relaxed. And it helped with that awkwardness you're talking about, where it's like, I'm just, as you're talking, I'm thinking through different neighbors we've had who are really good friends of ours now that I don't know if they'll ever become believers in Christ. I hope they do. But we, I, I know this, we've had a lot of conversations about who Jesus Christ is and about mm-hmm. God and things and what they believe and what we believe. But it's, there it was, it's all based on a trust and a friendship that we still have yeah. today. So I'm agreeing with what you're saying. That's so that's why I appreciate that you guys wrote this book. You know, it's when you read it, it for me, it was like, uh, well, yeah, it kind that's of, right. you know, over and over again, <laughs> Seriously, someone had to write a book about this. You know, this is like. <laughs> Tell me about it, man. I, listen, I mean, I can't believe I get on planes. People like pay me to get on a plane and go like say, hey, like as Christians, we should probably know our neighbors' names. Right. I mean, there's something like really broken with like that. There's a book. We wrote a stinking book that all the book says. I'll just save all you guys from reading it. Like it says, like, hey, like maybe in order to love your neighbor, it might be helpful to know their first name. <laughs> And most of us don't. We don't even know. We no. can't. Like, so right now, I'll, right. we'll just do this. Okay. Like, right now, if you're listening to this and you got a pen or paper nearby, mm-hmm. if you don't, if you're driving in your car, you can just do this in your head. But, yep. like, just draw a tic tac toe board. And this little exercise is like a hundred times better than the book that we wrote. <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to tell you that. Like, this little exercise is the key to everything that happened. We have people draw a tic tac toe board. Okay. And then, and then now imagine you walk out your front door your condo or your home. And now just imagine the eight closest units to you. Okay. You got the eight Mm -hmm. closest houses or apartment units. And now just take a minute, write down the names of the people that live in those units. So I'm I'll never forget doing this for the first time I'm doing it. And I can, I, I, right away I get two, there's two of those blocks. I got, I know Mm -hmm. both, I know the couple in both of them. And then I just have this horrible realization. I'm like, Oh yeah, I've met all these other people. But they just weren't important enough for me to remember their name. Right. And and by the way, so I've done this little exercise in a lot of rooms now. Yep. Like with a lot of people. We have a little tool on our website. It's called like a, it's a refrigerator mm-hmm. block map thing. I've handed I think we've handed out three hundred thousand hmm. of these little refrigerator block maps. And a lot of times I'll stand in a room, we'll do this exercise. I've never been in a room 
where more than half of the room can write down five or more of their neighbor, uh, mm. both of the adults in five or more of those. So I've never like I've never been in a room where over the majority of the Christians in a room can can just simply write down 50 plus percent of their neighbors names. Yep. That's it. Now, some of you out there listening, you like think that's insane. You're going, that's, that can't be right. Right. Okay. That's because you're in the 10% that you've been doing this your whole life. Right. You go, this is normal for you. And you actually have like been doing, whether you know it or not, you've been doing ministry your whole life. Mm-hmm. But most of us are, are not living in a way that we're intentional about it. And if you're not intentional about it, you just drift in and out of like these really short surfacey conversations and you forget and you, you're not taking it seriously. And so you just, you know, they just become these people that drive certain types of cars and have a certain number of kids. But if you'll commit, if you'll like to so take your little tic-tac-toe board, go put that on your fridge at home. If you'll commit to learning and retaining and using the names of the people who live around you, you will, it'll blow your mind what will happen. Some of those people won't want to be your friends. They're just like too busy. They're like you, you know, or like me. Mm-hmm. They're too busy. They don't want to be your friend. But you'll find out that some of the people around you, like they're dying for something deeper and, and than what than what they're currently experiencing. And so I, you know, I love all the missional conversation. I've been a part of that for, mm-hmm. you know, a decade or so now. I go to all the conferences and take all the notes and all that stuff. But I'm just gonna tell you, like, like maybe before we like start figuring out like what the next missional strategy is, maybe we should like know our neighbors' names. Yep. Like, just start right there. <laughs> Maybe instead of, like, figuring out, like, hey, where the new cool coffee third place is going to be. Maybe we should, like, draw – like, what if Christians just drew a circle around the place that God has put them? And then we, like, didn't worry about grad school-level neighboring. You know, right. like, that's a good Samaritan stuff. Like, what if we just went back to kindergarten? Mm-hmm. Since we don't know our neighbors' names, that's probably where – <laughs> that's probably a good place to start. And then just start to work out from there, to work out from where God has placed us. And where we sleep at night. So that's my that's my deal, man. I Kenneth, I, I I'm drinking all the Kool Aid. <laughs> I think that, uh, and and I just want to encourage you. So if you're out there, like you just doing this little, just making a commitment to to filling in like a tiny block map with just adults' names on it or kids right. or whatever you want to do. Yep. If you'll just do that, if you'll just take the first step. And what I learned in my life is that taking the first step. Once I remove that first obstacle all the way. I was opening up the door for organic relationships just to flow in. Right. So once you take that, you know, so much of momentum is just getting started. And so if you just take that first step, if you remove the first obstacle, you'll be shocked at how easy some of it, some of the rest of it comes. I agree. And it's exactly what I need to hear because we lived in one neighborhood that when I was just mentioning earlier for about 19 years and we're, and really lived this way the last 10 years that we lived there. But then we moved about a year ago you know, the neighborhood that we're in now, uh, we've done it some, but as I'm going through that exercise in my mind, I'm like going, I don't know their name. I'm looking out the front window of my house right now. I said, I don't, I cannot remember their first name. I only know one person that lives in that house. And so I need to do the exact same thing, uh, where we live now. And it's, it's what you mentioned earlier. You get very busy. You're familiar with them, but you don't know them. And that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate it. Simplicity of the book. And what you're sharing here in this conversation is a good uh, reminder, and it compels me, and I'm hoping those who are listening will do the same thing. Yeah. But I appreciate it, Dave, very much so. And, and hey, It's it. great to be with you. Great yeah. to be on the podcast. Well, Dave really gave me some uh, very simple 
yet profound ways to uh, live life this way. And I, I really liked some of the things he said. One was live in a way that's interruptible. Again, that's just profound. And then another one is lean into some mildly awkward moments. And as I was sharing, and he was talking about some of those things, I, I was sitting here thinking about how um, I just need to feel awkward and, and make that first step into uh, meeting some some people that I haven't really interacted with much, if, if any at all, that uh, live right here around me. And so I'm compelled to do that, and I'm hoping that you uh, are as well. Would love to hear some stories back from you, and you can do that very easily. Also, uh, and I'm, I'll, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a link to the um, page on my website if you're not there already, where the show notes for this podcast episode uh, are located, as well as some links to some things that will help you with the art of neighboring. One is where you can uh, purchase the book, also get some more you know, access to some more resources that um, that they have for the art of neighboring one being what he mentioned the refrigerator block maps just a very simple tool and then some other things that that i'm going to put on there as far as, uh, as some links so if you'll go to kennethacamp.com slash episode 22 that'll take you to that information and what i was about to say a, a moment ago is if i would love to hear some stories uh, maybe you're already doing this and I would love to hear yeah, what you're doing and, and how that's going. Or maybe you're like, you know, I'm, I'm ready to step out and, and really engage those that live around me and, and live my life with an intentionality of living out this mission that God has given us to uh, do something like this. So I'd love to hear from you. So just go at, when you're on that uh, page, you can just leave it in the comment section. Just um, let me know how it's going. Uh, or you can also email me if you want. That's Kenneth at KennethACamp.com, and we can dialogue that way as well. So, again, I want to just give a shout-out to Dave Runyon and also his co-author, Jay, Jay Pathak, I think is how you say his name, uh, and tell them thank you for writing this book and just taking something that God has called us to do from, from the very beginning uh, and just giving us some practical tools and how to live that out. So with that, this is His Hands, His Feet. Until next time.